I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, May 30th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, about 120 years ago, Winnipeg's 11-story Union Bank building made history for being, wait for it, Canada's tallest skyscraper. And we're using that term loosely. It's just, yes. it was like a mid-sized building. But today, the title is obviously held by Toronto's 298-meter-tall first Canadian place, coming for its spot, though, is the one tower, which is just five subway stops north at kind of Bloor and Young, which will hit 330 meters once it's built in 2024. Did he get vertigo? Are you afraid of heights? Uh, no, but those buildings, when you look up at them, the, the two of them that will be there at uh, Bloor Young, it does make you a little, even just looking up makes you a little uneasy. They're big, really, really big. They're this new brand of super tall building. And yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't, and the other thing too is I wouldn't want to live up there. And I lived on the 46th floor of a building in City Place in Toronto once, and I didn't mind the height, but it was just the logistics of the elevator, getting up, coming down, waiting, full elevators, all of that I didn't like. And so just for the logistical reasons, I wouldn't live up there. Although it is kind of cool to see the sky. Well, there was a recent story in the paper over the weekend about the elevators in such buildings having some maintenance issues. And I'm a little old school. I still miss the stolery at Bloor & Young, the shop where I used to get my wool sweaters. That really dates me. I remember that. You're right. <laughs> uh, Brett, aside from what's going on with the skyscrapers at Bloor & Young, what do we have for Big Bells today? For first story, Canada's national parks are selling out fast. For our second story, a tale of two job markets complicates the labor shortage. And for our last story, Quebec gets stricter on immigration. For our first story, ah, spring. If you ask us, there's no better time to take advantage of the great Canadian outdoors. That is, if you can snag a reservation, how hard is it to get outside this summer, Brett? So with Parks Canada's improved reservation system, it's technically never been easier to book camping sites at national parks across the country. But in other ways, really hard, actually. It's maybe even harder with sites like Alberta's Jasper and Ontario's Bruce Peninsula booking up fast. It's happening because as the cost of international travel continues to rise, heading to the wilderness has become an increasingly attractive option for Canadians. Plus, pandemic-era lockdowns forced us to start exploring what's in our own backyard, a trend that has, frankly, stuck around. The number of visitors to Canada's national parks has been growing each year, with 21.6 million visitors last year, a 27% leap from 2021. Yes, but per The Guardian, the crowds have forced Parks Canada to close down certain hiking trails and weigh the possibility of visitor caps to more sensitive areas. The agency also recently banned private vehicles access at Moraine Lake, a popular tourist spot in Banff. The bottom line is that in some ways, more people using Canada's parks is a good thing, whereas revenue from reservations, lodging, and day passes are funneled back into conservation and management. It just means escaping to the great outdoors could actually just be tough this year. For our second story, we've all heard plenty about Canada's labor shortage by now. We talk about it a lot on the show. But a new StatsCan report shows that understanding the state of the job market is way more complicated than counting the number of help wanted signs. So what is the latest on the labor market, Jay? There were 856,000 job vacancies in Canada by the end of last year, and about 49,000 more people than that looking for work, according to StatsCan analysis. That's a significantly tighter labor market than immediately before the pandemic, when there were 509,000 job vacancies and almost twice that looking for work. It's not, however, a labor shortage in the true sense of the term. It still means there are more people looking for work than there are open roles in the economy. 
But the picture looks very different when you compare jobs that require a high school education or less with those that require a post-secondary degree or skilled trade. There are 359,000 vacant jobs that require at least some post-secondary education and 549,000 unemployed workers who fit that bill, meaning that each job, there are around one and a half job seekers. But for jobs that require a high school education or less, there are 497,000 vacancies and only 366,000 job seekers, a true labor shortage. And here's why it matters. The data suggests that Canada's labor shortage is contained to jobs that don't require post-secondary education. Beyond that, the problem employers are facing isn't really too few workers. That doesn't mean employers will find hiring people with degrees easy. The skills of unemployed people won't match up perfectly with what employers are looking for. Plus, regulatory barriers like strict licensing rules that block some immigrants from working in their field once they arrive in Canada limit the hiring pool further. The bottom line is, insofar as there is a labor shortage in Canada, it's concentrated in jobs that don't require higher education. Ramping up immigration of people with post-secondary training, as the federal government is doing now, isn't going to solve that problem. For our third story, if you don't know your Je Fini from your Je Suifini, you might have a hard time migrating to Quebec in the coming years. Well, you might as well write Quebec off from your places to migrate to, Jay. Here's what's happening. For the first time in Quebec's history, those applying to become so-called economic immigrants selected for their potential to contribute to the economy must have a working knowledge of French, the province's official language. And I do not. Premier Francois Legault aims to bring the percentage of French-speaking immigrants accepted by the province to 96% by 2026, up from 72% in 2018. Now, exceptions will be granted case by case, allowing more leniency for specialized workers, students on temporary visas and reunited family members. To catch you up, facing a growing share of Quebecers who speak English at home, 13% as of 2021, Legault has been on a mission to preserve the French language. Last year, the government approved laws limiting English use across education, business, and the public sector. Failure to control the flow of non-French-speaking immigrants could pose a threat to the province's national cohesion, Legault at least says. And it matters because Canada welcomed a record 431,000 permanent residents last year, and the feds have committed to increasing targets until 2025. Quebec's strict policies this year, new permanent residents will be capped at 52,500, will increase the load for other provinces. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett, and have a great day, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.